praise God. I just find it amazing when, <clears throat> when messages are prepared independent of one another and how they always link together if Holy Spirit is, is the one that's, that's doing the linking. And while prayer is so important and faith is so important, it's also important for us to understand um, why God put this all in motion. Uh, God put all of this in motion for one reason. is because God intended for you to have dominion over your life. Dominion meaning authority over your life. Okay? And in order to understand what that really, really means, we have to understand what has been called by theologians as God's divine intention. God's divine intention. This whole thing about creation and the creation of the heavens and the earth and the universe and so on, and ultimately God's crowning jewel, jewel mankind, you, okay, this is the epitome of God's creation, mankind. God intended for mankind to have entire dominion over the physical realm, okay, and to have dominion over his life. But we know what happened. We know that that, that was all tossed aside when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, okay? But let's, let's look at the Word of God because we always want to see what the Word of God says about these things, not my opinion or Brother Brandon's opinion, but we have to always re- refer to the Word of God. So go to Genesis 1, where it all began. Genesis 1, and we're going to just start with, start with, verse, uh, with verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. We must understand what this divine intention is all about so that we know that this is what God's plan was. And you see, when God has an intention, it, 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 it does not not happen. Uh, um, God has a way of always making sure that he's glorified and making sure that his will is indeed done. But again, let's put it into perspective so we know what the, what the uh, uh, divine intention was. Verse number 26 says, And God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, underline the word dominion, over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. In the beginning there where it says, let us make man in our image, we are created in the image of God. In, in his image and in his likeness. Okay, now, so what does that mean? Created in the image of God. We know that God does not have a physical body. We know that God is a spirit. And when he says us, this is talking about the Trinity. This is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's saying that let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God is a spirit, so mankind is made in his likeness, meaning that in the image, which, is mean, which means that what God created is a spirit. Okay? You, the real you, are a spirit. You are a spirit, and you live in this physical body. The physical body God gave us so that we can get around this physical world. But the true you, the part that goes back to the Lord when you pass, oh, God, God forbid that you go to the other place, but, but the, the spiritual you will survive into eternity someplace, either heaven or in hell. You see, So the, God's divine intention was, again, to make them, mankind, in, in their image or God's image, which is a spirit being. Verse number 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. Subdue it means to overcome it, and have dominion, have control of, overcome it, and have control of, have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing which uh, um, thing that moves upon the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. And God said, Behold, 
I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of, of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for food. Underline to you. To you it shall be for food. And to, and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good. And evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay? So here we see, see um, several times that God says have dominion, take control of, subdue it, subdue it. It's amazing that as large as a whale is, as large as an elephant is, as powerful as a lion is, man has dominion over those very powerful animals. Okay, now granted, physically, physical strength, yeah, they can easily overcome a man because they're much larger and so on. But having dominion, a whale does not have dominion over man, a lion does not have dominion over man. Man has the ability and the intelligence to know how to subdue and how to put those animals under dominion. Physically, yeah, they're much larger and much stronger. But yes, it was God ordained that man should have power over those animals, and so it is. This was God's divine intention. It was God's divine intention that we should know how to farm the land, that we should know how to tend the sheep, that we would know how to raise uh, cattle, that we would know how how to get food for ourselves, how to earn a living. It was God's will for us to do that because God said, let him have dominion, okay? And also, it meant that for us to have control over the physical environment. Man lost the sovereignty due to Adam's sin and due to Adam's sin, but through Jesus, we are promised that dominion and fellowship can be restored, okay? Now, we see that man started progressing, and and we can see that by going to, uh, going to Genesis 11. Man indeed, man indeed started progressing and started uh, uh, gaining knowledge and everything. You see, man, God in his, when man created, God created man, it was God's intention that he would be knowing, he would be a, 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 a sentient being, he would have intelligence, that he would be... Uh, perfect in his ability to learn things about his physical environment and overcome it, but he was not ordained to know the secrets of the universe, okay? And the only way that meant the original plan was for God to give man this ability to, to subdue his environment and to have one-on-one -on -one interaction with God was in obedience to God. So what God was saying was that in the beginning, man was going to have this dominion and he would have a wealth of knowledge that would be, would be mind-boggling by today's standards even, all right? But as long as man was in line with God's word, okay? That's what it was going to be. God had not, had not ordained for man to have all of the spiritual knowledge all at one time, but God had ordained for man to subdue and maintain and oversee the physical environment, all right? And so man started doing that to an extent. If we go to Genesis 11, and we start with verse number 1. <coughs> okay, now this is later on after Adam and Eve. And it says in 11 verse 1, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, underline the word said, and they said one to another, Come, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said underline the word said again they said come let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name okay if he's in the line let us make us a name here we see this is pride coming in now okay this is a willful act where they want to to make a name for themselves lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth 
And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, underline the word said, Behold, the people are one. Underline one, are one. The people are one, and they have all one language, underline one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be withheld from them which they have imagined to do. All right? So what God had seen here was man was, was grouping himself together here, and they had this plan now where they were going to build this tower to heaven and make a name for themselves. Now, this is obviously not in line with God, with God's word, because God talks about pride, tells us where pride gets us. You know, because we, we, we know what was the reason that Lucifer fell from heaven was because of his pride and beauty and so on, okay, and his rebellion. So now God is saying, look at them, and, and not only do they have the intelligence to build this thing physically, but they're also on one accord, accord they're speaking the same language, all right? So now we get into this whole thing about what power there is in a body of people being in agreement, being on one accord. That's why it's so important for we as a married couple to be on one accord, as families to be on one accord, as a ministry to be on one accord because when you are in one accord then things can happen things can happen for good those of us who are believers and fallen are obedient to God but things can also happen for evil when people are on one accord and that's what, what God was recognizing here he was saying that they're all on one accord here and they're all speaking the same language and he said with that and the way they're going without God um, there will be nothing that they can do that will, that will you know, be, be not within their power so then it says in verse number 7 come let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So God said, let's go down and break up their language so they can't communicate one with the other. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did, did there confound the language of all the earth, <clears throat> and from there did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. So he broke up their communication so that they could not communicate, and if you can't communicate, you can't be on one accord, you see. And we find that so much in relationships. You know, when we find people, couples, families, ministries not being on one accord, it's because there is no communication. They're not speaking the same language, so to speak, all right? So here we see, as was God's divine intention, in obedience to him, of course, mankind was to have this knowledge, okay? But it was also supposed to be balanced with spiritual knowledge in obedience to God. We know that even today, of technology is jumping in leaps and bounds. I mean, no sooner you get one iPhone, you wait another 12 months and they got another iPhone out. You buy a laptop and they got a better laptop out. You know, and, and man's science, we've gone to the moon and, and we've got these exploring vehicles going out to the outermost parts of the universe, uh, solar system and beyond. Man's knowledge technically, scientifically, is growing in leaps and bounds. But it's absent the Spirit of God in many cases. Okay? So God's divine intention originally was for man to have dominion and to be in fellowship with him. But God is also promising to restore that fellowship to us, that dominion to us. So what do we do while we are waiting for dominion to be restored um, to mankind? What is it that we have to do? So now we go to, uh, to Romans 10. Romans 10. After the fall, you know, uh, Adam... Adam is referred to many times as the first Adam, and Jesus is referred to the second Adam in many cases, many times, because of the fact that um, 
Adam as a man cast us into sin. Jesus as a man dying on the cross redeemed us from sin. Amen? Amen. So this is part of that redemptive process and the restoration process. But while we are getting to, getting to the place where man is back to God's original intention, how do we live this life? You know, the time for mankind to have total dominion in a spiritual manner, matter, manner over physical things will not be until a point in the future, until after Jesus, re, Jesus returns and the earth is made new and so on like that and then man will indeed have to have dominion um, we see in scripture in many cases that who is referred to as the the, uh, the 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 Lord of this world okay and that's Satan Satan in many many cases in scripture is referred to as the Lord of this world because Satan does guide governments he still is guiding some people he's influencing people he's influencing governments he's influencing leaders you, you know um, if Satan was not still very much prevalent on the earth we wouldn't see so much of the evil going on today we wouldn't see so many things happening that we as Christians stand back and and how could they allow that to happen how could they vote that law and how could they permit this how could they you know because the devil is very much at work all right but God will indeed his divine intention will still be realized all right God will not be mocked and God will always be glorified okay so God's divine intention for mankind to have unhindered um, fellowship with him um, is still his intention all right part of that was done at the cross when Jesus was uh, crucified it says that when he gave up the ghost when he died the veil that was in the temple that separated the inner court from the outer court right no man could enter into the inner court, the Holy of Holies, but the high priest once a year, all right? Man, the average man did not have access to God. He could only go in through the high priest once a year. When Jesus gave up the ghost on the, on the um, cross, it says, the Bible says, the veil in that temple that was, that was a veil, you know, it was a curtain between the inner court and the outer court. That curtain was ripped in two, signifying now that man has access to God because of the work that Jesus did, all right? So, while we have access to God, we have direct access to God, we have Holy Spirit. Jesus said that, that I have to return to the Father so that he can send you the Comforter, you know, who will teach you, who will guide you in all things, the Holy Spirit. We know that that was done, all right? But God's original divine intention has not yet been realized. It has not yet been realized, okay? Because if that was the case, we wouldn't have to be dealing with Satan. We wouldn't have to be dealing with the problems that Brandon was talking about relative to prayer. We wouldn't have to be dealing with many of the, the trials and tribulations that's in this world, okay? So the restoration, the total restoration of God's divine intention has not yet been realized. But God has indeed given us the tools and given us Holy Spirit, has given us prayer, has given us many things to help us to, help us to live these lives still victoriously, Still victoriously, okay, but not yet back to the way God originally intended, all right? You know, in a way, I kind of envy Adam and Eve. I mean, gee was what a time they must have had in a beautiful, lush garden, you know, with fruits that we can probably not even imagine. I don't even know if they even exist all today. I mean, a totally lush environment and the ability to see and walk and talk with God the same way that we see one another, you know, and to think that all that, all that is, is gone. That was God's intention. Okay, God did not originally intend us to have to go through the things that we're going through. You know, we would have had it all. You know, all we would have had to do was to tend the garden. That was Adam and Eve's only responsibility, you know. And those of you who love gardening, I mean, I'm sure that would have been a piece of cake, you know, just to be out there gardening and tending flowers and fruits and things like that. Okay, but that was all given away when Adam and Eve sinned. But God's intention is to still to have us one on one in one with him. Um, okay, so we're going to Romans 10, and we're going to start with verse number 1. 
Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Okay, listen to that. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Okay, you see what they're doing wrong there? They're saying that, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to God unto righteousness, unto the righteousness of God. You see, so that's called, you know, and you've heard the term you've called before, that's called being self-righteous. Self-righteous, you know. And we all know people like that who go around, you know, thinking that they know this and they're quoting the Bible and spouting the Bible. Supposing I put that in quotes, spouting the Bible. But it's not what the Bible is saying. It's not speaking of the righteousness of God. This is their own self-righteousness where they feel that they are, in some cases, holier than thou and so forth. And these are the folks that are quick to criticize you, to pass judgment on others, to pass judgment on you. You know, but they themselves not looking at the beam that's in their eye. And yet still they're trying to take that little splinter out of your eye, you see. And so that self-righteousness, the Apostle Paul here is saying in this letter to the Romans, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, or speaks this way. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is near thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine own heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Okay? Now, we're all familiar with that, Romans 10, verse 9, all right? And what that is indeed saying is that, until we get returned and restored to God's divine intention, is that we have to be saved, okay? We need Jesus Christ. So the first step is to accept him, okay? And it says that not only is it sufficient for you, does it suffice for you to, to confess Jesus as Lord, you have to believe it in your heart. you got to believe it back in your heart, you know? Deep in your heart, you see? And this is why so many times when people are talking about someone else and, and they say, Jesus, you know, so-and-so sure doesn't act like he's saved, or I don't think, I think he's saved. You know, how do you know whether that person is saved? Okay? All right, how, how do you know? All right? I mean, deep down, I don't care how, how they're acting, all right? But deep down in their hearts, maybe they do believe, they have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, you know, and they really, really believe that he's the Son of God and so on. So, so by God's definition, they're saved, you know. Are they acting properly? Well, maybe not, you know. But who, has, who does act 100% proper, quote-unquote? You know, we're, we are all learning Christians, you know. So we have to be careful before we start drawing conclusions or trying or accusing other people of not being saved because you don't know the condition of their heart you know now you shall know them by their fruit yeah I mean people behave one way still it does not you don't know whether or not they accepted Jesus so what this is just saying though the importance then while we're waiting for this total dominion and total fellowship with God to be restored to mankind God gave us the way out through through salvation verse number 10 says for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation 
For the scripture saith, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the first step in living as we're waiting for God to restore total dominion to mankind and us living our lives out, is to have the concepts of prayer, as Brother Brandon discussed. Well, first of all, you've got to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Understand the concepts of prayer and faith, and, and faith, all right? And then we continue our lives as Holy Spirit is guiding us. And then in the last scripture here, how do we live until our dominion uh, and faith? James chapter, James, uh, chapter 2. James chapter 2. Okay. God always gives you tools. You know, God never says to you that this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Um, you have to wait until the future. Yes, you have to wait until the future. And then we start struggling and saying, well, gee whiz, how am I going to last that long? What am I to do? God always gives us the tools. When things go wrong in our lives and we're waiting for something to happen, God gives us the tools to figure out what we need to do while we're waiting for that correction to happen or, or waiting for something to, to relieve us of whatever is going on. And as, is we, as we are waiting for God for this uh, dominion, to be restored to mankind, you know. You know, God in his wisdom, dominion without the Spirit of God brings chaos, it brings tyranny, it brings confusion, it brings destruction, okay? And we see where dominion, absent the Spirit of God and without God, we see where that's happened in many, many parts of the world over the, over the many, many centuries. Whenever you've had a dominant society overcoming and running the lives of a, 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 a lesser society, be it ethnic, be it racial, be it, a, be it nationality, whatever it might be, whenever you have a dominant society overcoming and stronger than a lesser society, absent God, what do you have? You have slavery, you have tyranny, you have totalitarianism, you know. I mean, this is what happens, and, and you know, you, you know your social studies from school and politics, all right. You know, so whenever you have dominion of any group of people absent God, it's not very pleasant, not pleasant at all. There's a lot of unrighteousness, there's a lot of injustices done, okay, all right, okay, okay. This is why it's a good thing that God is indeed in charge. Because if you took the dominant society that had access to all of the arms, all of the bombs, all of the guns in any given area, any, any country, and they were able to overcome the lesser society in that area, absent God, then you have death and destruction. You have people being killed mercilessly, as we've seen round about the world, okay? Round about the world, you see? So it's not until God really steps in and restores total dominion, which includes fearing God and having God in their lives, that's when it will be back to God's divine intention. Okay, okay. There are groups of men that have dominion over people today. You look at the third world countries, look at other parts in the world. And I'll be bold enough to say, look at where I think there are some in this country that are, would, would love to have this country the same way where it's under, under the control of a select few. Okay? But absent God in their lives, that dominion will never happen. That dominion will never not at Not in accordance with God's divine intention. It is not, not God's divine intention for man to be in a slavery condition, to be overseen with brutality, to be overseen with fairness. 
if you have any one in any any individuals a group of individuals following God that's in a place of quote unquote dominion so to speak they will minister to the lesser people in a godly fashion and therefore everyone will be happy everyone will enjoy the fruits of their labors they'll be more like almost like a godlike society you see but absent God is proof of that is proof of it of what scripture is saying here that man has progressed gaining knowledge scientifically gaining power and having quote unquote dominion over some but it's absent the knowledge of God you see and that goes back to Adam and Eve because what happened when they partook of the of the apple okay they were spiritually separated from God right and for all of those centuries man was was separated from this from from God they were separated from God all throughout Old Testament Holy Spirit only spoke to those select prophets who were godly people that God chose who God chose to speak to and through okay all through the centuries it wasn't until Jesus Christ death and resurrection that Holy Spirit was made and God was made available to all of us you see but up until that time Tower of Babel is just one example we, we, we see we, we see pain and suffering we see dominion absence the Spirit of God you see so you can't have God's original, original divine intention of man having dominion over the earth absent the Spirit of God and thank God for that Thank God for that, okay? So, um, what did I say? James 2, and we're going to start with verse number 14. Okay, we talked about prayer, we talked about faith, and now how do we live while we're waiting for dominion to be restored? How do we act relative to our faith? Uh, verse number 14, chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Okay, now, again, you know, I've always said before, do not confuse this kind of works, which, which is works, you know, you know, the works of man that brings salvation and the works that people do and things like that. It's not saying that at all. What it's simply saying is that if someone came to your door, you know, and it was in the middle of that snowstorm we had not too long ago, you know, and they were standing there in their shorts and shivering for cold, and you said, oh, God bless you, you know, go in peace and be warm, and then you slam the door, all right, but you don't give him any clothes to put on, okay, what good are you, are, is, are you saying? I mean, how is that helping him any? It's not helping him at all, okay? So what this is saying is that faith, without you acting on that faith okay without some works without some action is dead is dead you know and you heard me use the example many times you know I could say to you give you my my car hold my car keys up here and say here you know here's the keys to my car um, this car can get you home if you want to drive it home you know and you say okay thanks and I give you the keys and then you sit there you sit there and then all of a sudden you look around and you wonder why gee I'm still in church I'm not home you know, well, you can have my car keys. The car can be sitting out there. But unless you, in faith, knowing that those keys are going to fit my car, you get up, get in my car, and start it, that's the only way you're going to get home. All right? So it's the same thing with faith in our lives. Okay? You can do the prayers that Brandon, Brother Brandon was talking about. You can have the faith as was talked about here. But if you don't take some action on that faith, you don't work something on that faith, then that faith is dead. Okay? You, 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 you can sit on the park bench. 
feeding pigeons all day long when you need a job real bad. You know, you, know, you can sit on that bed. You can have the news, the want ads in front of you, and you're reading them and so forth, you know. Unless you take some action on those want ads and get up off that bench feeding those pigeons, God's not going to bless you with a job. Okay, so you can have faith, but many times God wants us to take some action. All right, so while we're waiting for God, you know, unlike God's the original divine intention, Adam and Eve, you know, would not have to go through some of the things that we have to go through. But God has given us the tools. God has given us salvation through Jesus Christ. He's given us faith. He's given us the ability to pray. He's given us Holy Spirit. And now, uh, the, uh, now the apostle here is talking about what do we do when we have that faith? We've got to take some action. So then it goes on to say, um, I'll read 17 again. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Okay? So, showing, ex- exhibiting your faith is by the actions that you take. So, someone says to you, do you have faith that God can do so and so for you? And you say, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, and how do you demonstrate? You're demonstrating that by that, but by... you've prayed to God again to use the job you've prayed to God for a job and you're doing something about it you're filling out applications you're praying about it you're you're going for interviews you're doing this you're doing that okay you can't just simply be praying for God and then lay in bed all day because that's not showing your faith I'm showing my faith by my works if I say to you I have faith to get a job I have faith to this I have faith to do that and you see me every day out and I'm doing something about it it's because I'm stepping out believing that by my actions God is going to bless me by my actions, God is going to bless me. All right? I, I remember you, some of you have heard me tell the story. I'll never forget we were first starting ministry, and I didn't know where to start. And I had this dear brother in the Lord. We were in the office one day talking, and he just demonstrated to me. He, he was standing inside the office, and he went outside and stood on the outside of the door, and there was the threshold here. And he said, Brother Mike, sometimes to start out and to find out what God wants you to do you just got to take that step in faith and step outside and he stepped over the threshold he said take that first step telling God God this is what I'm going to do and you guide me from here and that that really ministered to me it resonated with me and so when I left the office that day I said Lord I'm going to stop by the first real estate agent that I see I'm going to walk in and say I'm looking for a church building and I won't go through the whole story but went to the real estate agent the guy looked at me like I was crazy filled out a form and all that sort of thing he said alright we'll call you we'll call you um, through a host of really of, of really uncanny circumstances someone that was wanting to share his building contacted a, a friend that, a friend of mine that was in the publishing business and the next thing you know the two of us got together talking and we wound up getting a building to share with another church you see and that's how it all started all right but i'm saying to you though is 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 god wanted to see me take that step of faith by just saying okay lord this is what i'm going to do if i just sat back down and just and that resonated with me i knew it was holy spirit speaking to me and when you know that god is talking to you like that you've got to show your faith by taking some actions all right these are the tools that god gave us uh, you know until the divine intention is indeed restored and then verse 19 says Thou believest, um, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The demons also believe and tremble, okay? But wilt thou, O vain man, uh, that faith without works is dead? But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works, uh, uh, works is dead? So what he's saying in verse number 19, you believe that there is one God, okay, that's fine. The demons also believe and tremble. Okay? All right? So in other words, it's not enough for you simply to say, I believe that there's one God, or I believe there's a God. But guess what? The demons believe there's a God, too. 
But do they act in the faith of God? No, they certainly don't. You know, demons, demons know that Jesus exists. You know, what did they say when they were being delivered, being cast out that time? Why have you come to torment us before the time, O son of, son of God? Okay, you see, so the demons know who Jesus is, you know, and they, they also know that there's a God. But they will certainly do nothing in godly faith, not at all. So it's not enough to say, well, I believe in God, and I'm looking for a job, and then you go feed the pigeons. Okay, that's not acting in faith. So knowing God, that there is a God, acknowledging there's a God, and not acting on the faith for that particular situation is not going not to gonna benefit anything. Okay, and so it says, But wilt thou, verse 20, O vain man, that faith without, wilt you know that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works, underlined works, justified by works, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, underlined Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see, and we all know the story there. I mean, God, Abraham just knew that God had told him to go and sacrifice his son. You know, and this was, this was a test for Abraham, and Abraham went out there and he bound him up, and even Isaac, his son, was faithful. He was faithful. I mean, he said, you know, they, they knew they were going out to find a sacrifice. And then the father says, go get that wood and bring it over here to build a fire. And he does. And then he says, come here, son. And then he starts tying his hands up. I'm sure at some point, dad, what's, what's up with this? Tying his hands. All right, get up on the wood, son. Um, dad, um, what's going on? You okay? You know what I mean? Can you imagine what would have been going through your mind? But Isaac also was obedient to his father, as was Abraham to his father. You see? And as, as all, all Abraham knew that if this is what God wants me to do, and if I do it, that I'm going to be faithful to God and that God will bring a blessing somehow. And he just said, by my works, I'm going to show my faith in God. And as he raised the, the, the dagger to stab him, to sacrifice the boy, we know the story from there. Angel cried out for him to stop, and he looked, and there was a ram caught in the bush, you see. And this is where... Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, comes from because God always provides, you see. So if we act out, we show our faith by our own actions, God will indeed provide for you. But you've got to have those actions. You've got to show those actions. And then here in closing, um, in closing scriptures here, you see that, you see then that by works, underlined by works, you see then that by works a man is justified and not by faith only, underlined by faith only, not by faith only. In a manner, in like manner also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, listen to this now, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So highlight that whole uh, verse there, 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Okay? So obviously, I mean, that's plain and simple. We know that if, if your spirit is not in your body, or if you, your spirit, you, are not in your body, then your physical body is dead. So that means that having faith without you actually doing something is just as dead. Is just as dead. Okay? So God gave us these tools. He gave us prayer. He gave us salvation. 
He gave us salvation. He gave us prayer. He gave us Holy Spirit. These are all the things that we have to manage through this life today until God's divine intention is indeed restored and realized, okay? But do not forget that you are so special to God. You're special to Him, you know? It is not His intention that you should fail. It is not His intention that you should be hurting. It is not His intention that you should be wanting, that you should be worried, that you should be stressful, okay? And God gave us all of these tools here that we can live our lives as God's divine intention is indeed realized, all right? And we heard the song there, uh, Midnight Cry, you know, at some point, God's going to give the order. And what did the singer say, Michael, uh, uh, what's his name there, Michael uh, English say? He said, uh, when, when the father says, go get my children, because we're going home, okay? That's when Jesus gets that order and he says, aye, aye, captain, and he goes, and we're gone, okay? When Jesus goes, when he comes, and then we're gone. All right? And that's all a part of God's divine intention. All right? Until that day and time when after tribulation and everything and Satan is cast in the pit forever and so forth, then there will be a new earth, a new heaven, a new earth. And this will be where God originally wanted it to be. You know? And we'll be there because Jesus is going to have us with him before that even happens. Amen? So, so have some cheer. Be lifted up that God's divine intention, you are a part of that plan. Don't make it feel like it's so far-fetched and it's so far off because that's one of the things that hinders us as believers for realizing success in our lives and peace and joy in our lives because it seems so theological. It seems so away from us, so far out of our reach. It's very, very simple. God created mankind to fellowship with him, to be close to him, to be a part of him to, on a daily basis. It was interrupted for, for let's just say it was interrupted. The, the movie was interrupted for a commercial break. Okay, all right, and it's a long commercial break that we're going through, okay, but the movie will continue as God originally intended it to be, amen, and it's going to be a glorious thing, okay, amen. Divine intention is for you to have dominion, praise God. I pray this message was a blessing to you, and now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.